Again, it's good to have you join us as we continue on with our series, Making Changes. And if you noticed, uh, when we started off the series, we were having four parts, but we've expanded it to five parts. Uh, this part, uh, giving is good, has, is so good that we thought we ought to do it in two parts, not just one part. So if you're listening online and uh, you'd like to have the program or the message guide, you can actually download that right from our website. And the web address is right there. Really appreciate uh, all the work that Megan Horton went into updating it and getting it more user-friendly than it was. So I encourage you to take a look at that. Uh, very thankful for that. So please uh, check that out. So, so far in our series, we've looked at the idea that less is more. We've also looked at the idea that stress is bad. And today, giving is good, part A, part B. And uh, as we're thinking about that, we need to always remember what Jesus said about giving. He said, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to receive, blessed to give. See, I even want to say it. <laughs> yes, it's more blessed to receive than to give. Amen. Okay, sermon over. All right, great. Yeah. See, it just even has hard for me to say it, but those are Jesus' words. And the idea of uh, remembering is to be in constant mindfulness because it's so easy to let that slip. It's so easy to go to the idea that it's better to receive than to give. Uh, and it just subtly sneaks up on us. And again, the idea of uh, blessed is it's more happy to give than to receive. Now, most of us, even if we're new to the church experience, have heard that phrase before, and most of us would say, yeah, I buy into that, but uh, it's one of those ideas that we can have it in our head, but it's hard to keep it on our heart. It's hard to keep it in our actions, to, to live it out. Now, if this is your first visit here and uh, someone has, in a sense, tried to talk you into coming or maybe uh, first time watching online, you're going to say, see, I knew it. Churches are all about money and trying to get money, and here they are talking about it. And uh, the reality, though, is, is and I, I get nervous saying this in some ways, is actually financially as a church, we've done really good through covid and uh, this year alone, we're 5% beyond our budget. And that doesn't mean you should go, oh, they don't need my money, so I think I'll put it somewhere else. What we really like to do is we like to see when God blesses us, then to have new ministries rise out of that blessing rather than get to this place and say, hey, we're going to try to you know, see if offerings will go up to cover this thing we've already initiated. So we try to do it that way so it's really helpful when we do have a little bit of a surplus because it helps us think as a leadership team, what is God leading? Where does God want us to branch out? And what does God want us to do with the extra that he has? Now, I'll have to be honest with you. As a pastor, I really don't like talking about giving uh, because I can be misunderstood and people think that I'm thinking about something else. And uh, just to kind of break the ice a little bit, it makes me a little bit more comfortable when it comes to talking about giving. I think about this great theologian from the past can kind of help set the tone. Ready with super blinding bat pellets. Away, oh, Robin. But, but, away!
Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Some days you just can't get rid of a sermon on giving. There's just no good place to drop it. And so that's kind of what I feel when I get into talking about these ideas. But the reality is, if you are a Christ follower, if you've said yes to Jesus, you're going to find that when we are generous with our life, God is generous in our life. Now, that's not like a, an investment scheme. If I do this, then God does this. But it definitely seems to be the way it works out. When you and I are generous, when we are generous by the leading of God in our life, we find that God is generous in our life. Now, as we're talking about this, we often think about finances alone, and that has a huge piece of this. But it's just generosity across the board, just a sweetness to life. I love the way, um, the way that uh, uh, Solomon says, he says it this way. He says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Those who bless others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. The idea almost is what goes around comes around. When you and I are generous with our life, our whole life, we find that God shows up in amazing ways. Now, those of us who live in the area are very familiar with the story, It's a Wonderful Life, and that's really what we see happening with George Bailey. He is generous with his life time and time and time again. And someone looking on the outside would say his world gets smaller and smaller, but actually his world gets larger and larger. And at the pinnacle of the movie, towards the end, this is what happens. Very nearly, George, very nearly. She told some people you were in trouble with it. They scattered all over town collecting money. Didn't ask any questions, just said, George, in trouble. Count me here. What is this? Like a spread like fair. Another run on the bank? Here, George, Merry Christmas. Now get this, it's from London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash, stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000, stop. Oh. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Oh. The fool flew all the way up here in a blizzard. Oh, Harry, how about your banquet in New York? Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast. <laughs> to my big brother, George. 
the richest man in town. Probably seen that a million zillion times. But there is a huge truth in that. When you and I are generous with our lives, our lives get larger, not smaller. And the idea that when we are generous with our life, God is generous in our life. Probably we could pass the mic around and tell story after story after story where you've been generous and you've seen God all of a sudden, maybe not connected into that same situation, you've seen God show up and show his generosity towards you. I don't really like talking about my life in these areas because I can be misunderstood, but I know when Cindy and I were really wrestling with moving out here, one of the things that was heavy upon our hearts was the idea our girls were, our twin daughters were juniors in high school, and our youngest was a freshman in high school, and it was, if we made the move, it was going to happen like in April or May, so they'd have a couple months of their junior year, a couple months of their freshman year, and then the next year was their senior year. And so there was all that going on. And then there was also the piece of how are we going to get these three girls to college? Uh, college was what they wanted to do. And how was that going to all work out? I had been a youth pastor for many years, and I had seen lots of families wrestle with this, and lots of families have unbelievable amounts of debt because their kids went to school and wrestling with that and I was just I just was that was just a heavy weight on our hearts and we were coming from a larger church to a smaller church so uh, the finances were different and again you guys take great care of us even when we came you were taking great care of us so don't ever misconstrue that but it was a big change and we felt the heaviness of that and uh, it's amazing that in a sense we are being generous with our lives, I, not perfect by any means, and God was super generous with us. Got our two oldest daughters through college, they don't owe anything, and uh, Mariah just finished up her master's, and uh, so that's basically five years, but she was able to do it in four, so a ton amount of savings there, and she owns just a fraction and so what I'm trying to say is there are all these kinds of situations where when you and I are generous with our lives, we see God showing up with his generosity in lots of ways. And, and we say we believe that as Christ followers, but again, it's hard to kind of continue on in that mindset, because we think when we're generous, we're going to actually lose. When we're generous, we think we're going to be on the short side of, of the stick, and we're really worried about that. Uh, Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says this, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I love that idea. You and I are enriched. What God gives us, the resources at our fingertips, and sometimes that's more than money. Sometimes that's our time. Sometimes that's our abilities. You and I, if we've said yes to Christ, if you're still toying with it, this is a great thing for you to think about. But for us as Christians, we're responsible for this. We have been enriched in every way so we can be generous. It's not so that I can be enriched so I can just... Settle in and live the good life. It's so that I can be generous. And I love what happens when you and I are generous. We find that thanksgiving goes to God. When you and I do generosity right, 
it points to God. And it brings God, it brings a person's attention towards God. Why would you do that? Why would you be kind? Why would you give of yourself? Remember over the last six months, there was a situation where uh, Cindy and I tried to be generous to someone, and as I was doing that, I said, by the way, I just want you to know this gift is really not from us. It's from the hand of God. It's God laying this on our heart. This isn't Dave Spencer. This isn't Cindy Spencer. I wanted to be very sure that they understood that it was God in our life because I wanted them to think when they were thankful, thanksgiving goes to God, not to Dave and Cindy. So our generosity can be powerful. Some of you have been on short-term missions trips, and I love that our church is involved with that. When we go and we're generous, it turns into thanksgiving to God. That's one of our purposes, our reasons for existing once we've said yes to Christ, is to point to him and to have people go, thanks be to God because of that person's generosity, because of that, the way that person is working in their life. So how do we get there? How do we become generous? You see, when you and I are not a conduit for the generosity, for the goodness of God in our lives, which includes our finances, it's almost like a sponge. Uh, we're designed to be a sponge and be wrung out from time to time. And uh, at least in our house, when a sponge doesn't get wrung out, it gets stinky. And I hate it when I touch a stinky sponge because now my hands smell. And there's like nothing you can do to get rid of that. What is that? It was because the sponge was stinky. Uh, so now I've got this idea. I put lemon juice sometimes on my hand. That seems to be able to kill it. But, but that's about it. And I can't stand that. And you're like, ugh, that, that's, that's terrible. You and I as Christ followers, when we are not a conduit for the blessing, and we don't let ourselves get wrung out, we get stinky. And you probably know what I mean by that. So, what do we do with this? We go on a journey, a journey of generosity. We move through what it means to be generous. How do we start to become more generous? How does, what does that look like? But since you excel in everything, you've got to remember the church of Corinth was, was uh, very educated. They had resources. They were kind of like the rich church. Uh, knowledge, all kinds of things, eloquence. But since you're excelling everything in faith and speech and knowledge in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. It's so important that no matter how much you know about God, no matter where your faith is, no matter how intellectual you are, that all boils down to this grace of giving. And we need to excel in that. We need to overflow in that. One of the things I love about going to sometimes those, um, you know, like uh, smorgasbord kinds of things, you know, uh, food bars and everything, is a lot of them have these uh, soft-serve ice cream things for dessert, Right? And you go there, and, you know, they got these little cups, and sometimes I get, like, the soup bowl instead, you know, because it's bigger. Why not save a couple trips? And you go over there with the soup bowl, and you're just like, blah, 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 and the thing goes, 
over. And then all of a sudden, thing gets really flowing. And, and you know, you're like, how much can I cram into this bowl? And I don't know about you, but a lot of times, it's like overflowing when I bring it back. You know, you just want it overflowing. You want to get as much ice cream in there. And it overflows and goes everywhere. You and I are supposed to be overflowing, excelling in this idea of grace and generosity in getting it out there. And what I love about this is when you and I have done this for a little while, then all of a sudden God uses us to help somebody else, to kindle generosity in somebody else's life. I don't know about you, but there's been people that have been generous in my life, and then that helps kindle it in my life. I now want to be what they are. I want to be generous to somebody else so I can point to Christ and I can celebrate all his goodness to me. Usually when we start out with this whole idea of being generous, the whole journey starts off with just a sparked giving. If you're new to church world or whatever, and all of a sudden, one Sunday, one time, or watching online, whatever, all of a sudden it dawns in you, I ought to give some resources to that. Maybe it's something special. Maybe it's a, there's a missions trip or whatever. And all of a sudden, God, working in your heart, says, yes, give that. And we, we give that first gift. And, and we start that. You know, every once in a while, we give a gift. And it's sparked. It's this, like, this like response. I can remember the first time I did that. I was probably 13 years old. Uh, church I grew up in, uh, every once in a while on a Sunday night, we'd get a Billy Graham film. Anyone remember those? You know, Sunday night was Billy Graham film night, and, and they would uh, do a free will offering. That's how they paid for the movie. And this week, it, or this month, or this time, was uh, the story of Joni Erickson, 17-year-old girl, diving accident, paralyzed. And as I watched that movie, I was just moved by how she lived and what happened in her life. And, and when it came time for the free will offering, I looked, I pulled out my wallet and I, I pulled out a $10 bill. And, and that was big deal dollars to me. And I'm like, hmm, hmm, you know, can I like rip a corner of it off? $10? But, but I just felt I, I needed to give that. And I gave it and it made me feel so good to listen to God. He prompts it on my heart, and I respond, that response. And, and you may be starting your faith walk. You may be starting your generosity walk, and it, it's, it starts in this place, this idea of, of just that first response. I love what happened in the Older Testament. If you remember, we sang a little bit about those stories. Uh, uh, the Israelites are freed from Egypt. They're on the move. They're in Exodus. Moses is leading them. And it's time to build a worship place, a worship space. And it's got to be uh, a mobile unit. It's the tabernacle. And Moses says, you know, these are the plans. We need all this stuff. Uh, how can we do with this? And so then all of a sudden, this is the response of the people. Then they came back, each one whose heart was roused, whose spirit was fearfully responsive, bringing offerings to God for the building of the tent of meeting, furnishing it for worship, and making the holy vestments. So great. They were, they were roused. It was the first thing. They freely responded. When I talk about this stuff, I never want you to respond because you feel guilty because I said something. I don't want that. I don't want to be like a motivational giver speaker. 
That's not what I'm doing here. I want you to be put in the path of what God wants to do in your life and in your heart. And when he leads you to be generous, when he leads you to give, I just want to compliment what he's doing. I'm not trying to replace the Holy Spirit, God's leading in your life. But I tell you, when he does lead, don't feel guilty, feel convicted. There's a difference, and we talked about that a few weeks ago. So this is all a giving to to help make their worship complete, all the things that they needed. And what's interesting, if you follow the rest of this story, eventually Moses has to say, stop, we have enough. Can you imagine that? I don't know if I can ever imagine that. Sorry, shut down the online giving, we have enough. Close the boxes, we have enough. In this case, they had given so much that Moses said, we're all set, everything's covered, we are done. So there are these places where you and I give responsively, and it starts out like that. It starts out like that. Then we get to the place where we start to give strategically. We're going to call that tithing. Now, some will say, well, is the tithing really, you know, grace under the law? Do we have to tithe today? But it seems to be understood, even in the New Testament, that that's just bottom line giving. And tithing is 10%. Tithing is you get to the place God leads you, and you're, it's your responsibility as a Christ follower to be generous. Uh, you look at $100, and tithing is $10. Now, you say before taxes, after taxes. You can figure that out with the Lord. I'm not going to get into all of that. But the heart is what drives this, but this idea of strategic giving. For some of us, that takes time to work out. For some of us, we have two car payments. And it's time to renew one of those cars, and we say, you know, I'm just going to keep it, because if I make that car payment, if I replace that with another two, dollars $300, whatever it is, I cannot give strategically. So I say no to that. I remember Cindy and I, when we were trying to get our financial house in order, when we were married maybe five, five or so years, uh, we had two fairly brand new cars, a year or two old, two of them, and the payments were around five, $600 a month combined. And we got to the place where we said, we need to get out from under these. So I've told you the story about buying that old Dodge Dart. It was, 19, it, was, it, was, it was 19 years old, and we could buy it with cash. So we got rid of the two cars, and we reordered our financial life so we could be responsible. And a part of that financial order was so that we could be responsible with being generous. When it came to being generous, two new cars... Old Dodge Dart, I don't know, but uh, we, we had to change that. God worked on our heart to get to that place. But generous people plan to do what is generous. They stand firm in their generosity. That idea of planning. Usually just because it's a calendar year, we get towards the end of December, Cindy and I sit down and say, what are we going to give this this future year? Uh, We give online, so once we set it up, it happens every week, automatically, and uh, so we have to decide. We look at our finances, and, and we've gotten to the point, again, our kids are grown, so we have a little more flexibility with our finances I'd probably say more than Cindy because she's the one who actually writes the checks. I'm the one who just goes, yeah, let's go get that. She buzzed the budget. But uh, we look at that, and uh, we decide what we're going to do. And and now we're at a place where 10% is the starting point. So we're we're changing that. We we like to do a little more. It's not like we've got 90% to spend on whatever we want to. 
Uh, it, God's given us all these resources. Uh, Got to be wise with that. Got to understand that. Um, I know there was a time, I, I think I've told you this story before, where I was really into, into, interested in a North Face a Gore-Tex jacket. It's when they were first coming out, and they were $425. And this is when North Face just made top-of-the-line outdoor gear. Now they've got their mass-produced stuff that isn't the same. And uh, Cindy was working at L.O. Bean, so we got a 33% discount. I had saved my birthday money, my Christmas money. I had all the money saved. It was my money. And I went out and bought one of these jackets. And everybody who knew what that jacket was knew how much that jacket cost. I think I wore it once or twice. I said, i got to take this thing back. This, this, I, I should not have this kind of jacket. This, this is the wrong thing for me to do. Because even though we had tithed, even though I had saved that money, it, I, in my life, in that moment, that was a sign of Dave Spencer being selfish. And, and, and that was, even though I had every right, it was birthday, Christmas money, maybe a little funeral wedding in there, but I, I, gift, it, it, just, it, just, it just wasn't right with me. You see, even though you take that step, it's not that you can just go crazy with everything else. We're responsible with everything that's been entrusted to us. You see, we're to honor God with everything we own. Give him first and the best. And why is that first and best in there? Again, this was a uh, farming community, first crops, uh, you know, sacrificial system. You could have, you know, 10 little lammies, and you were going to give one, and one was kind of the runt of the litter and not as worth as much money. So you could decide, oh, I'll give that one instead of the nicer one. Same thing with produce and all that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, when Solomon writes this under God's inspiration, he says, give everything you own, honor God with everything. In my case, I wasn't honoring God by having that North Face jacket. And he says, give him the first and the best. There's this responsibility. And uh, again, what's interesting is we read this verse and we're going like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I don't know if I like that. But if you go a few verses earlier in chapter 3, we get to a verse that we really like. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I love that verse. I don't know if I like verse 7, 8, and especially 9. Isn't it funny how we cherry pick? I love 5 and 6. Got it stamped on stuff. I don't know if I have verse 9 stamped on anything. <laughs> I don't have that on my, you know, cover of the checkbook or whatever. But I do know I have this verse all over the place. What's up with that? Cherry picking. If you're a Christ follower, Christ calls us to honor him, to be generous with what he's given us. So there's this idea, this starting point, this strategic giving. Then, then I'd say there's another place, and I like to ask this, so it's stylistic giving. It's a, it's a generous lifestyle. It's, I, I look not what I have to give, I look what I can give. I love when I get to the point where things don't cost as much as I expected, so rather than buying two of them or buying an extra one, I set some of that money aside, and then 
When a need comes, it's not any big deal to help someone out because we've got extra money because we just didn't spend it. It's, it's I want to be, be generous. I, I just don't want to be a 10%er. I want to be an everythinger. And, and I want to be generous. So I think about how I can do that with everything. I love how the early church, all the believers continue together in close fellowship. Fellowship is the idea that faith brought them together. And they shared their belongings with one another. It was just when there was a need, they looked at what they had. And if they could help take care of somebody's need, they they would do it. It wasn't like, well, I already gave my this and now I'm all set. They had a heart of generosity. This doesn't mean to be taken advantage of. It doesn't mean to be swindled out of your money. Uh, I can remember one time I was a part of a ministry, and they had said something and put something out there, and some lady said that she was saving for her shoes. It was an older lady, and she gave her shoe money, and she was happy to do that. And when the, the ministry got that, the first thing they said is, we don't want your shoe money. They went out and bought her like five pairs of shoes. You know, they, they, they took care of that. That's not what we're talking here. But she just felt guilty and wanted to do that. That's not what we're talking about, but being generous, having that kind of heart that's Lord-led, not connived, not arm-twisted. So the journey of generosity, it starts with those first initial gifts, it starts with some strategy, and then it continues on to kind of like a lifestyle, stylistic. I'm, I'm just going to be a generous kind of person. I order my finances so that I'm free to do that. So what's the effect of being generous? What happens in our lives when we're generous? How do we see, actually see the generosity of God show up? And I think it's with our faith. I think it's the way we live. Uh, first of all, we find that it teaches us to put God first. I don't know about you, but I, I have to remind myself that I need to put God first. I can order my life in such a way that, you know, I kind of just do it, but I'm really not putting God first. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. You know, that whole idea that, that God is first, not me. That everything is yours. Everything is on a loan from you. And not fearful that I'm going to have to answer for it, but, but, I, but the pleasure of using what he's given me in a way that pleases him. I want to get to his presence and have him be pleased with the way I used what he had lended me. I'm not trying to avoid him getting after me. I'm, I'm wanting him to say, good job, Dave. I was so happy when you responded to me. A couple weeks ago, we were driving someplace, and it doesn't have anything to do with money per se, and there was this man in distress, an older man, wasn't well-dressed, wasn't clean. He was the end of, um, uh, I was at Life Care with Cindy for something, yeah, because of her back, and we were there, and uh, he was at, the, and you could tell he had stopped a few cars, and they kind of like, and just drove off. And I said, how can I help you? What, what's going on? He goes, I need a ride here and there, and you could smell alcohol in on him. You could just smell that, he, hey, just a tough guy. And I'm like, Oh, God, you want him to get in my car, don't you? You want me to take him someplace. And this may not sound like a big deal to you, but you can eat off the floor of my car. That's a whole other problem. Pray for me. But, uh, you know, I like it just perfect, you know. And, uh, nope, this car is yours, Jesus. 
So where can I take you? We got in the car. We heard some of his story, break your heart story. Humbled me to say, man, God, you've been so good to me to avoid a couple bad decisions, and maybe I could have lived a life like that. Dropped him off, said, see ya. On our way, I went. Using what God gives you. Money is just scratching the surface, but it's putting God first. Uh, what was like a three-second argument with God was like a two-hour argument with God. It was just like back and forth, back and forth. And I could see it coming. I kind of knew it was coming. And, and I just said, this is yours. That's okay. Also, it increases our faith in God when we're generous, when we order our finances around that. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst, your wine vats will brim over. And the idea is not, this is not some elaborate investment program with God, but there is this reality that he will take care of your needs. You will be overwhelmed with his goodness. Maybe it shows up in a completely different way. A lot of times in our life, uh, it does not show up in a monetary way. It shows up in a completely different way. Um, and uh, I'm just so thankful, so thankful. So life, it increases my faith. It causes me to say, I'm going to put you first. This feels like a huge sacrifice for me. The reality is probably isn't that big of a sacrifice. I'm going to do this, and all of a sudden I see that he's aware of what I've done, and he takes care of me. He doesn't leave me wanting. When you and I tithe regularly, when we give strategically, it requires faith to give first. If you give last, it doesn't require faith. If I look and see what's left over, that didn't require faith. On the front side, it does. I hate to say this, but two or three years into our marriage, we started to get this a little bit more straight. And... uh, I've, I've never been with, without anything. And I'm going to do this only once. Did this at the first service. A little embarrassing. Now I'm online so everyone can see it. Watch me turn sideways. Nothing lacking here. It doesn't look like I've ever starved once by putting God first. He's taken care of everything. Too much. <laughs> and it is unbelievably satisfying to Respond to God's leading. I'm not talking to my twisting your arm, but to God's leading and seeing that he comes through and takes care of us. Also, very simply, it provides for God's church. It provides for a local individual church. And it amazes me, or it does amaze me, well, it does amaze me, it amazes me how generous this church really is. And that doesn't mean take your foot off the gas pedal, but it just just amazes me. I have friends at churches that you can tell the folks have deeper pockets, but because of their lack of faith when it comes to their finances, that church is not moving the way it could move. And it comes down to that they don't, it's not that they don't have it, they come to their church with their hand like this, rather than this. So I commend you. I commend you on that. So when you and I are generous, it provides for 
God's church. Bring the whole tithe. It's interesting that they had to say whole tithe because some people were saying, I'm tithing, but they really weren't tithing. It was a partial tithe. Bring it into the storehouse. Bring it into the local church that there may be food. Uh, I thank you. There's food on my table because you are generous. That pays my bills. It pays my taxes. It buys gas. It does. Your generosity puts food in our house, if you will. I thank you for that. But it provides for the church. It helps us to do the things. It helps us provide food for our missions that are all around the world. It helps us run off VBS. It helps us do all these kinds of things. So it provides for the local church. Interesting, you know, when Peter talks about uh, the rock, or Jesus talks about Peter being the rock, there's this play on words, uh, there's this idea of rock, and really you need to go to verse 16. Rock is really referring to what Jesus said. You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But again, it has this idea of rock, and um, this idea that the church is on the move. Uh, we can see the, here that it says, I will put together my church, the church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Church on the move. And a local church is on the move when its people are generous, when its people sacrificially give under the lordship of Christ leading in their life. We have to remember that a church is just not these four walls. That's the reason I had that opener video, if you caught it. I'd encourage you to go back and watch it online. The church is, is an organism. It's made up of people. Two words for church. We got actually the wrong word in our more modern, newer translations. Church actually has the idea of a location, where really a church is a purposeful gathering of people. We gather around the good news of Jesus Christ, and then we deploy, and then we act, and then we work in our world. And as we think about our church, we put it together this way, you've heard me say it already, to make a difference in people's lives wherever they are by leading them into a growing relationship with God through Christ. That growing relationship with God has to be something that's happening in your life. You can't lead somebody to a place you aren't already. You can't expect your kids to behave better than you behave. You need to get there first. Same thing with church. If we're going to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ, our relationship with Christ needs to be growing. So very quickly, the growth of generosity. How do we, how do we start? Where do we start? First, there's this idea of trusting God with the tithe. We've talked about the idea of trusting God. And the idea that it's, it's a trust thing. We, we trust him and we follow him with it. Uh, the idea when we give, we're trusting him and we're also worshiping him. We show God's worth by doing that. We show that God is important to us, that he really does own it all that he's blessed us with. So we show God's worth, worship with your first and your best, then trust him to bless the rest. You trust him to take care of the rest. You understand that he'll do that, and sometimes it's a stretch moment, but it's so great to trust him and see him come through. Sometimes you and I wonder why God is not showing up in our life enough, and it's because we're not trusting him enough, and this is one of those areas that we can trust him in. The idea of test me, he's will take care of more than enough. 
one of the only places that God says, test me in this. Test me. Put your finances in my hands. Be generous. Be sacrificial and see what happens. You won't be disappointed. I've said this already, but I just want to drill this home. Don't give to get. God can see through that. So don't be going, I got to give to get. I got to give to have his blessing. If that is the only motivator in your heart, it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem to work. That's not the idea. Then there's the idea, again, just a plan to be generous. Are you planning to be generous? We hear a message like this. We have concepts like this. We go, yeah, I need to do something. And then two weeks go by, and we haven't had a conversation with any about it. We haven't talked with our spouse about it. Are we planning to be generous? And then once we have that plan, and once we feel that God's led us to that plan, do we stand firm in that? I know when Cindy and I first started off and we'd go on vacation two weeks and we would forget about it and all of a sudden we'd get back and we had planned to give a certain amount, we had planned to tithe and all of a sudden now the check needed to be three weeks and it would kind of like rock our world and we spent some of that money on vacation. What are we going to do? God will understand. No, stand firm in our generosity. And then, very basically, is start being generous now. Look for ways that you can give away your life. And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. We started with our bottom line. When we are generous with our life, God is generous in our life. He shows up in amazing ways. And I don't know about you, but I need more of God showing up in amazing ways in my life. It's the fuel that keeps me going. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you gave first to us, and it all began with you giving your son so we could have a relationship with you. I ask if there's anyone here who has not said yes to you, that even in this moment, they would say yes to you, that they would want you in their lives. And then for those of us, we, in a sense, are wanting to take the challenge, even though we look at our finances, we look at our generosity, and some of us, it's just a mess. And we ask that you'd help us to be able to plan to be strategic so others in our world could be looking to you because of our generosity, because of our sacrifice. Help us to move in this direction. Help us to make that change, to change everything. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Again, thank you for being here today.